disclaimer that says some things yeah. are exaggerated for yeah. Let's do that. So some on a slide, have been exaggerated yes. for effect. Yeah. So Perfect. on my slide, my regular flea is this big. Yeah. yeah. So my other flea, right? But there's no way they're that big. That's I think what they're I'll maybe put. five centimeters. I'll put a little line. Impressive. I'll put a little line that says some things have been exaggerated. No worries. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast. The best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And this is Dr. Yola Kerpenstein. And Dr. Susan Little, too. Oh, my. We have two Dr. Susan Littles here. This is part two of our Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Susan Little podcast. <laughs> uh, and it's such it's such a joy for me. It's a joy for me to know you. Yeah. It's a joy for me that you're such a great person. We've gotten to work together before, and now we get to like interview and do a podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't have a better alter ego oh. than you, and Susan I, Little. I, I think it's a joy for me because now I know Dr. Adam Little, Dr. Susan. <laughs> Little, and Dr. Susan Little. Little. So there are so many Dr. Littles in my life. We have life. a little family. Yeah. We'll have to introduce you to Adam yeah. if you've not met him. Yeah. There's another and there, one. There is a, uh, so you have the size, Adam. Oh, Adam and is very Susan, tall. And then Susan. Yeah. So it's, it's perfect. So. Excellent. Excellent. So I want to take one step back once again for our audience. Um, tell us a little bit about anaplasmosis, how they can recognize it what diagnostics they have to do and what the treatment mm. is. Yeah, so for anaplasma phagocytophilum, again, um, you recognize from a fever, from lethargy. Mm. Um, you might see if you're doing blood work already, then you might see some thrombocytopenia, um, but the, the cats are depressed, they're clearly ill, and then that high fever. And then on a blood smear, you do have a chance of finding the morula inside neutrophils. Mm. So you'll see the neutrophils and then you'll see that inclusion of the bacteria, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's worth doing the blood smears. For some of the Ehrlichia species, they're so hard to find, you mm -hmm. know, we get out of the habit, but for, for um, anaplasma it is. But then we also have serologic tests that we mm -hmm. can do. So the patient side tests that are labeled for dogs can be used in cats and they mm -hmm. will pick up the antibodies. If you're very early in the infection, the patient may not have seroconverted yet, yeah. but it's still worth looking in the blood smear, looking for antibodies, and then there's PCR available mm. too. From the Which labs. would detect them earlier, probably? Yeah, PCR? the PCR will yeah. pick up the early infections, the antibodies, the later infection. If you're in that sweet spot where they have had an antibody response, you might get positive on both. And do so, you have the reservoir thing in cats with anaplasmosis too? So cats aren't the reservoir for the tick. No, I understand, yeah. but can cats be carrier without clinical oh. signs? Yeah, so a lot of cats seroconvert without clinical signs or without the owner perceiving clinical signs. Or maybe not dramatic ones, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's, that's a challenge too yeah. with, um, with Lyme disease is yeah. they zero yeah. convert and we say, oh, but they're clinically normal, but we didn't check them every day, yeah. right? They, Maybe they were off a few mm -hmm. days. It's too subtle. Right, yeah. right. And then they respond to antibiotic therapy and we use doxycycline. doxycycline. The warning, of course, with doxycycline in cats is make sure to give it with fluids so that they don't get those esophageal yeah. strictures. Yes. So I'm Yay. sure you have I'm, some I'm tricks. So glad. To... I was talking about this uh, at, a, at a lecture recently. So so yeah, if, it's, if doxycycline is given in liquid form, it's not an issue. But if you're giving it in pill or capsule form, it's one of those drugs that's very irritating to the esophagus. Right. And it gets and stuck. It gets stuck. And of course, cats don't drink an eight ounce glass of water mm -hmm. with their pill and that the uh, prolonged contact will, will cause esophageal damage. But it's easy to avoid, you know, if you just even even a little snack, a treat, anything at the same time as the pill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll prevent that. So yeah. thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, it's really for important. Sure. For yeah. sure. Well, especially because if we're going to be treating them for four weeks, 
Ah, know? there's the other a, thing. That's that. a it's lot not, it's of not, treatment. It's not a week of treatment. It's mm-hmm. four weeks of treatment. Mm-hmm. So with four weeks of treatment for anaplasma phagocytophilum, do we eliminate the organism? Well, from the data that we have, we probably have more data on Ehrlichia. And so um, if you stop sooner, you haven't eliminated the organism. But I'm never really convinced we've eliminated the organism at all. But what we do is give the cat's immune system a a chance to overcome. We certainly, they respond for uh, for a disease within a day or two. And so we certainly see a clinical response, but then we continue that four weeks. If you stop earlier, you're more likely to have recrudescence of both disease, clinical signs, and infection. And then we think we eliminate most of the infections, but you might have some cats that are persistently infected. Are they then immune for life? So um, probably for that homologous strain of anaplasma phagocytophilum, but there's a whole lot out there in the world. It's a very diverse group. Same with Borrelia. There's a lot of different strains out there. Okay. So the short answer is no. Yeah. So tick control. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Tick control. It always circles okay, back to tick control. And let's go there a little bit. So what kind of tick control? So yeah. let, let, let's look at the three types of cats. The cat that is in the house, what would you do? The cat that is occasionally outside and the cat that's outside all the time. Right, right. So um, I think all of them need tick control Uh for sure. Um, And then there's a few different options and I would do what would work for that cat. Because there are options. Yeah, and you have to work with the cat. So there's collars that are available Mm -hmm. and they're good collars. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's still bad collars available. Yeah, but these are good collars. These are good collars that last, you know, eight months. It's a flumethrin and imidacloprid combination. And how do people know, how do you educate your client of a good versus a bad collar. Yeah. So they have to be safe. And then the collar that uh, uh, we're um, talking about, the Soresto collar right. is what we're talking about, um, is safe because it will break away. You know, people worry the cat will get trapped or hung up on the collar, especially if they're outdoors. We have wonderful reconstruction techniques. Bill <laughs> yeah. never misses at, an opportunity to get a surgical angle. Surgery. Yeah, they get stuck under the yeah. axilla and then yeah. they have to We'd rather that not We'd rather that not happen. So we'll yeah. have to break so away these colors. collars will break away, yeah. um, but I think it is important that um, so we know a couple of things about collars in general. Uh, we know that if the collar is put on at the veterinary clinic, that uh, the compliance is higher. Any type of collar, and so that gives the the veterinary team you know the opportunity to talk to owners about about the collar, and there might be a few days of discomfort, or you know maybe we're going to. Um, ease it on to the cat. It'll wear it like an hour the first day, two hours the second day. There's lots mm-hmm. of tips and tricks. Right, yeah. right. So collars and, can and, be put on cats. And this is this is really important because I think you're a big proponent of having collars on cats anyway. Yeah, for ID. For mm-hmm. ID. Yeah. Uh, and so we, and, and we talked about kitty kindergarten with our previous yeah, guest. Yeah, with Steve Dale. So we need to teach him early that it's okay to wear, to wear a collar. collar. Right. And yeah, so, and this is another great benefit. So yeah. you can get tick control. But yeah. there's other uh, formulations. There's Absolutely. other products. Absolutely. And so if you're dealing with an adult cat that you can't convert to a collar mm. for whatever reason, the owner doesn't want them to wear a collar yep. or an indoor only cat, maybe mm-hmm. where it's not as critical for the identification. Then um, there's topical formulations that are systemically absorbed okay. of these new isoxazolines. So there's a serolaner. Um, that's yeah. uh, combined with selamectin. Yeah, so you get it's an the, exciting product. Yeah, yep. so you get the full gamut of parasite control. Mm-hmm. And then there's Fluoroloner, which is um, systemically absorbed flea and tick control with that 12-week efficacy. So that's very exciting, too. So there's yeah. ways to get cats protected. And they're good products. They're excellent yeah, products. Yeah, so that's not the issue. The, you know, the it, issue is awareness and getting it on the cat. And it's yeah. interesting because, you know, the, the products have improved so much in the last mm. 10 years, I would oh, say. Yeah. Are you worried about your future job? That <laughs> 
<laughs> so when I was in veterinary school and shared that I was going to be a parasitologist with my classmates, I had a classmate tell me, you know, there's not going to be any parasites in a couple of years. <laughs> this was 1990. This is a good career choice. Yeah, yeah. this was 93. And her idea was, she said, you've heard of ivermectin, right? <laughs> There'll be no more parasites. And I said, I think. I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, wait until the return of the giant flea. Parasites of are going to outlast all of us. Yes. So, yes. yeah, absolutely. That's too funny, though. Yeah. So, funny. I do think, unfortunately, they'll find a way. Compliance is always a challenge, yeah. right? So, convincing um, owners that this is important. Yeah. Um, we have found that one of the predictors of if an owner will purchase and use tick control is if the veterinarian or the technician removes a tick from their pet yeah. at the oh, exam. My. And we don't want that, right? We want to reverse that, right? We want them yeah. to use the control so that we don't have the ticks. But, but the show and tell. Yeah, really, it makes a difference. It's definitely. The Wind Feline Foundation has been funding cat health studies for 51 years. If you have a cat or have ever treated a cat, nearly everything we know was once funded by this nonprofit, totaling about $6.5 million. From understanding retroviruses, FELV and FIV, to more recently targeting gene defects responsible for HCM in the Ragdoll and Maine Coon breeds. The Wind Feline Foundation Pet Memorial Program offers veterinary professionals an opportunity to reassure clients that their beloved cats have not been forgotten. And those dollars support health studies that benefit the lives of all cats. Contributions totaling $150 or more receive a certificate suitable for framing or display in your clinic. Imagine being able to treat kidney disease more effectively, using stem cell therapy to cure stomatitis, or drugs that treat FIP are actually within grasp. Consider your support in telling your clients about the Winfeline Foundation and a free newsletter at winfelinefoundation.org. Yeah. But I think that especially in feline medicine and also in the D word medicine, uh, <laughs> I think it is so important that we talk preventative medicine yeah. instead of therapeutic medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And we're getting back to this again. So we, we always have this discussion about, you know, uh, it's difficult to get cats into the veterinary practice. This is one of the reasons yeah. why you should or at least educate your owners the right way that prevention is the key. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can right. prevent some pretty serious diseases. So I, I want to make sure we talk about heartworm because there's yeah. another disease that is still to this day thought more of as a canine problem. But uh, we know so much more about heartworm in cats. It looks different, mm -hmm. right? So let's talk a little bit about what does heartworm look like in cats? Well, it's again that respiratory disease. So when it yeah. when it manifests clinically and sometimes it's just a quiet cat that's quieter than it used to be. Well, the reason that it's a quiet cat is mm -hmm. he's having trouble breathing, can't be as playful, can't be as energetic because of that heartworm associated respiratory disease, yeah. the lung damage that the heartworm causes. Yeah. And you know, the cats, the heartworm is not supposed to be in the cat. Yeah. And the cat knows that yeah. the immune system responds really strongly, kills the larvae and all that inflammation just wreaks havoc yeah. in the cat. And so it's so much better if, if rather than having the cat's immune system kill the larvae, if we use a product to protect the cats. Yeah, to, to yeah the poor heartworm the never intended to be end mm -hmm. up in the cat. Right? It doesn't it's, it's want an, to be there. It's an accidental yeah. uh, destination. Right. Um, but I think the other challenge with heartworm in cats is that the clinical signs can mimic things like asthma. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know there are cats that have been treated. I know I've treated cats for what I thought was asthma when they probably had heartworm associated right. respiratory disease. And, and we don't have treatment for heartworm in cats. I mean, <laughs> our treatment is to 
put them wait on preventive, it out. Yeah. maybe give them some prednisone, you know, get them through that crisis. And wait it but out. But just wait it out. Yeah. 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 So prevention, again, uh, much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what you, happens then? I mean, they just die and then you Well, they can die. Life? They certainly can die. There's or been some um, shelter surveys where they've done necropsy. I think Julie Levy mm-hmm. did a, a, a project where she looked at uh, necropsies of shelter cats. And that was one of the, the first times we realized cats can, can A, have more heartworm than they thought, but you can die from heartworm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot more cats just have, have clinical disease, right. right? And hopefully survive it. Right. Um, and they may, they may even go undiagnosed. Well, right? and we have challenges with the diagnostic tests because the cat's immune system kills most of the larvae. Uh-huh. So they only have a few adult worms, if any. And so the tests are going to have a harder time finding those infections. The cat makes so much antibody that what little antigen, what little protein from the worm is there to detect is covered up by the antibodies in most cats early mm. in infection. So we can't detect it. We use antibody tests in cats. Yeah. And that just tells us the cat was infected at some point in the past or maybe it's infected now yeah but what does that mean right so it's it's really mm. it's a challenge it's often a presumptive diagnosis mm-hmm. and you right don't have the pcr for cats well so for their pcr we'd have to have the dna of the parasite to detect mm-hmm. right and the cats don't have circulating microfilaria okay. because again it's the wrong host so the worms aren't as hardy so they're not likely to be pcr positive yeah, yeah. They're, they're, ju- they're just a challenge do you do you think because there was there was a time a number of years ago when we had this like sudden explosion of data on mm-hmm. heartworm and cats. So do you think that awareness has been improving over time or do you think it's still a challenge? Yeah, I do think awareness has improved. I don't know if we've leveled off again, mm. maybe. So I, don't I, know I worry we've leveled off improve. a bit, yeah. I yeah. think what we need are better diagnostic tests yeah. to really reveal what is the the um, infection pressure? You know what yeah. what are cats under? Yeah. I mean, my cats are certainly on heartworm preventive, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. always will be. But um, I know a lot of even veterinarians mm-hmm. that don't have their own cats on heartworm preventive, and that tells me we've not done a good job. That's a really parasitologists good have not done a good job. It's a really good point. People. And I think the cats that are on heartworm preventive are only on it because they're on flea preventive anyway, flea right? Flea and intestinal parasites, yeah. and and honestly, and that's okay. Yeah, if you look at prevalence of infection, cats need to be on roundworm preventive for yeah. sure. Toxicara cati is the most common um, parasite that we see in cats. So, so another good one to infections. talk about because there is zoonotic concern is, about yeah. that, right? Yeah. And even in developed countries like the U.S., that is still a zoonotic concern. Right. right? One in seven Americans has antibodies to Toxicara. We don't know if we got it from cats mm. or from the other species, mm. yeah. but um, we got it from ingesting the larvated eggs. We were infected. We didn't go on to develop visceral and ocular larva migraines, thankfully in most cases, but still that infection commonly occurs. And it, it happens from soil or cat litter or sandboxes, anywhere an infected animal has defecated, deposited those eggs, they've larvated. And then those eggs, once they're in the environment, you cannot destroy yeah. them. Yeah, they they'll are, survive a nuclear blast. Oh my gosh, think, they're immortal. They? Yeah. Yep. Well, a prescribed burn will take care of them. But, <laughs> um, but they'll, they'll survive in formalin and in acid and it's in bleach, yeah. they even still survive. Those are the so. ones with the really, if you look at them, they have these, the, 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 the rough eggshell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really cool. thick, rough eggshell. Yeah. And that helps them survive long term yeah. and go on to infect somebody. I paid attention I'm to impressed. my parasitology course. Very good, yeah. very good. Yeah. But I think ch- our children are somewhat susceptible, very are they much not? So, yeah, they're more likely to be geophagic or yeah, put things in their right, mouths right, and become right. infected that way. And then they're susceptible to developing very young children get visceral larva migraines yeah. with lots of liver inflammation 
and eosinophilia and then older children get ocular larva migraines yeah, and can affect I, your vision right it leads to vision loss but it also resembles retinoblastoma oh. and so before there were better imaging techniques and before there was good serology in people some of those children historically would have their eye enucleated no because kidding. it looks like retinoblastoma that doesn't happen oh. anymore wow. but it does speak to the importance of these um, infections wow yeah, so infections. so let's talk about prevention a little bit here for people what what should we do to prevent against getting toxocara? Yeah. 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 So the Companion Animal Parasite Council is always every pet every month all year long. And so we want every cat on something that will protect from um, roundworms, mm -hmm. from hookworms, and then, of course, from heartworm and flea and tick. Mm -hmm. so, that so that's treating the cat. And then mm -hmm. as a person, what should you do? Oh, yeah. So with people, just being very aware of your environment. And so um, not watching children trying to prevent ingestion of eggs, which is difficult. You yeah. know, as a parent, I understand that yeah, you can't totally. watch them all the time. But um, trying to reduce environmental contamination so that there's not that opportunity for soil ingestion and ingestion so of eggs. So cover the sandbox when yeah. you're not playing in it. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple wash of things. Your hands. Wash your Absolutely. hands. Absolutely. Yeah. Produce, um, wash produce carefully mm. and never use dog or cat feces as fertilizer yeah or and you compost think, right right, yeah, right and then we we joke about um never going barefoot at the dog park um and you think yeah. you know who would do that but dogs there's people do that, that do that? Yeah, no but dogs well, do that <laughs> so then they bring home the infection not too. even dog park beaches yeah people take mm. dogs to beaches and that's now now yola's like looking at me with great concern yes okay <laughs> there's a reason to... <laughs> no okay, i have a mountain holiday <laughs> because i travel a lot i have a tropical medicine doctor you know who mm -hmm. gives me the vaccines i need for the places i travel and he always reminds me about that yeah that you can get um uh, uh, like hookworm absolutely um, infestation uh from areas that you would not think and he right. always mentions places like beaches right yeah. but you yeah. mentioned the companion animal parasite council right. so i did want to make sure we talk about that a bit we'll put a link in the in the notes cap c, cap -C. good for you cap -C -vet -dot -org. i'm really impressed you know, yeah. 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 So yeah, she normally that. thinks i'm a total well. nitwit on these kind of things but you know i'm proofing <laughs> myself I, today I, he is. thank I'm, you susan for being <laughs> here my, my estimation we, is the susans bring out the best i tell you you should talk you know, to us no, more often as a matter of fact i you know during my veterinary career i was um almost chosen to do a special student you know you, as a student you can get jobs to help uh, yes and it was tropical parasitology really yes, I loved it. oh yeah. you're such a you're a multifaceted and, person and and and, and before uh, we go away from this because we're focused on the u.s this is a problem that's everywhere yeah world. absolutely because our yeah. audience is from everywhere so yeah. i just want to be sure that it is uh, Latin America, it's Australia, it doesn't matter where Europe, you are, everywhere. Right. it is everywhere. Yeah. Right, okay. and roundworms are in cats everywhere. Everywhere. Sure. So tell us a little bit about, uh, about CAPC, the so, Companion yeah. Animal Parasite Council. Right, so it's a board of veterinarians and parasitologists who come together to make recommendations about parasite control for cats and other pets. The other species. Yeah, yeah. and so, um, and they've recommended for many years, every cat, every month, all year long. Mm -hmm. And so I often talk, we talk in, in dogs, we talk about heartworm prevention, and, and then it gets intestinal parasite too. In cats, I really think we need to think about roundworm prevention. Mm. And then it gets heartworm too. Yeah. Heartworm really matters in cats, yes. for sure. Yeah. But the, the roundworms are so common. Yeah. That it's and a, it's an easier explanation. It's an easier buy. Yeah. Right? If, if well, you like. it still seems, I think your point about flea control, pairing it with mm. flea control is really critical because mm. it still seems that a lot of owners, if they don't see it, you know, how important it is. And sometimes the cats help. They'll vomit up a worm, yeah. right? On yeah. the kitchen floor. Thank and that's sort of undeniable. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you. But yeah. I think it would help if the flea 
leave was like 25. Yeah. But it does make an impact on owners yeah. when they, when you show them a flea on their cat, because yeah, they may not, and then they get all creeped it makes out, it right? Real. Yeah. yeah. Or a video of ear mites, uh, right? The reason we recommend this is it provides I, control I, I, for ear mites. I love the test when you show the flea poop and it's yeah, like and it turns red. Yeah, and, and it turns red because that's the blood of your pet. Yeah. Yeah. So do you get pushback? Last question, by the way. Okay. Last question. Almost there. Okay. It's an important question. So uh, the every cat every every month mm-hmm. thing, um, I even uh, so I say that, and I'll have veterinarians even who say to me, "That's overkill. That's too much. Like it's an indoor. It lives on the nineteenth floor of yeah. the apartment. You know." Yeah. So what do we say? Well, one of my questions for veterinarians, not to owners, is, well, when do you want them to have parasites? Right. That's sort <laughs> of the that's, that's what the you're answer. <laughs> it's like because people say, when can I go off my tick control? Yeah. And I well, say, when, when do you want when to see ticks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's the a good idea. Now I know what to say. Yeah, and the exactly. problem is, it's not overkill. The problem is, we don't know when that cat yeah. is infected. Yeah. Yeah. If we could test them constantly mm. and survey them constantly, yeah. and you know, have a cat cam on them all the time mm-hmm. to know when they got infected, then we'd know when to treat, but we yeah, don't. But you don't. So it is um, that monthly treatment is what we do because we know reinfection is common. Yeah. And we've yeah. seen that um, with some of the intestinal parasite testing that's available now. You know, there's there's the fecal flotations that we've always done to look for the eggs, but that's kind of late, right? Because mm-hmm. now the environment's already mm-hmm. contaminated. So there's antigen testing that can tell us there's an infection there, even if there's not eggs. And this is fairly new. Yeah, and what it shows is there's more infections there of that course. we didn't know about because they're happening in between that monthly deworming system and sometimes people get frustrated and they say well it's positive but i'm giving the parasite control and and my response is right that's why you're giving the parasite control because the animals continue to get infected the cats continue to get infected i love the fact you know uh when do you want the parasite (laughs) that is wonderful every cut every month that's from now on you know much easier so thank you so much for this this wonderful podcast it has been we learned a lot i know it's amazing yeah <laughs> you almost not going to forget cat. that. And, and yeah, and I'm not going to forget like the 25 centimeter flea either. Like yeah, and the thick t- trickster yeah. or whatever it was. But no, thank you so much. A wonderful session. And uh, yeah. Thank we'll you. have to talk to you again. Thank you. Yes, that was do. very fun. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at Her Podcast. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yola Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVE. T-S-X.